Welcome to the Jacks Rangers Show, a New England Free Jacks fan podcast. And now, Rangers, here's your host, Phil Harris. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers Show, broadcasting from the beautiful Granite Outpost here in Manchester, New Hampshire. Just wanted to jump in here and let you know I apologize. I think I said the next episode would be in the month of November. I just really could not resist putting out a Halloween-themed special edition for episode 20. Halloween is my absolutely favorite holiday. My girlfriend and I will be down in Universal Studios, Florida, Orlando, enjoying our Halloween festivities down there. I will be dressing up. I will send pictures uh, through social media of what I'm dressing up as. I think some people that uh, follow this show and the Free Jacks will get a kick out of it. Just really excited to get this episode out before Halloween, guys. You will notice that there's some Halloween question themes in these interviews this week. We'll get right into it, and then I'll come back and tell you who we got on the show this week. Woo! All right, Rangers, so we've got a jam-packed show here for you in episode 20. Silloween is what we're calling this one. Just, you know, again, a Halloween-centric Jack's Rangers show. In the first interview that we got here, we've got a new signing for the Free Jacks just recently announced. Canadian Foster DeWitt, who will be playing hooker and also can also play a little bit of prop. He was joined by myself and Dave McVeigh in the interview here. I really enjoyed talking to Foster. Cannot wait to see him on the pitch here coming up next year for the Free Jacks. We also have never spoken to Dave McVeigh, who is the co-host, who's the main out writer along with myself in an interview format as the interviewee. So we actually wanted to get that done in this episode. There is quite a few Halloween questions there at the end. And uh, that being my favorite holiday, I wanted to throw some questions at him about Halloween. But we get into, you know, his origin story with rugby, as we always like to do with everybody that we speak with every. And uh, we talk about his experience with New England rugby, get into a lot more stuff about regarding the Free Jacks and how he uh, got involved in this uh, this content, Free Jacks content base. Yeah, really enjoyed talking to Dave. It's a very long interview, but it's a good one. I really enjoyed talking to Dave. Always do. He's such a great guy. I'm so glad that he's a part of the Jacks Rangers show. Really excited to do the Outrider segments with him when the season gets underway. Last but not least, I was able to talk to Harry Barlow, who is down in Uruguay right now, uh, representing the United States Rugby, USA Rugby Selects. Just a free jack with a lot of potential and bright future, tons of talent there. You know, Dave and I talked about it during his interview that we believe that we're going to see great, great things from Harry Barlow. And not only in a Free Jacks jersey, but also a USA Eagles jersey. Had a great time interviewing with him. He has been there from the beginning of this show as someone that has, you know, constantly supported us through social media, you know, reaching out to us through DMs and stuff like that when we post things along the way. So really thankful for Harry being a a fan of the show and and someone that appreciates our content. Those are the interviews that I've got here for you. We'll get right into it with Foster DeWitt, and then we'll have our interview with Dave McVeigh and close it out here with Harry Barlow. Then we'll get back 
to me and we'll close up shop by talking about what happened on this date here in American Revolutionary War history. We got some merch information for you guys. So yeah, here we go. Woo! Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers Show. I've got Dave McVeigh with us this time around, of course, and we've got a very special guest, a recent signing of the Free Jacks. Foster DeWitt is with us. Foster, how the hell are you? Yeah, doing well. How are you guys doing? Not too bad, my friend. Not too bad. Okay. Let's start out. Where are you from? I grew up in uh, on Vancouver Island. It's called Comox Valley. It's about... Uh, Three hours away from Vancouver, including the ferry ride. Small town, but uh, yeah, very uh, outdoorsy place. Mountains, rivers, lakes. I uh, grew up doing a lot of fishing, a lot of stuff outside. Yeah. That sounds pretty. Um, let's talk about your origin with rugby. Did you start out playing hockey or was it all rugby for you? And when did you want to be a professional rugby player? When did you have that first thought? Yeah, I started playing actually in high school in grade eight. Uh, originally was a big soccer guy. Okay. I played goalie for a long time. Um, I really fell in love and wanted to pursue it farther when I was watching the 2011 World Cup. Okay. Watching Canada play. I remember beating them beating Tonga and it just, I said, I want to be there. I want to be there. Fortunately, nice. we didn't qualify for the next World Cup, but uh, it's always 2026. That's when I decided I wanted to be a uh, professional player. What have you been up to in the off season to stay fit? Well, right now I'm training with the Pacific Pride Academy in Victoria. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a, a season out here called the Coastal Cup, where we play a bunch of representative teams in the lower mainland of British Columbia. Mm -hmm. So we're training consistently four times a week, games on Saturdays. It's been uh, a hard season so far, actually. We're on top of the table, but... Uh, very nice. Very nice. Uh, talk to us about your decision to sign with the Free Jacks. How did that come about and, and what made you sign on the dotted line with the Free Jacks? Well, uh, the Free Jacks actually reached out to me first. Uh, Tom, uh, Tom got in touch with me. So I had chatted with him a few times and man, Boston just seems like a great city, New England anyways. Uh, they've got such a great sports culture there. And honestly, that's one of the main reasons. Mm -hmm. I also uh, know Josh Larson and he put a good word in for me and told me how good the organization was and how uh, of a good club atmosphere was, was happening in New England. So that made my decision easy. Awesome. We're happy to have you. You signed a three-year contract with the Free Jacks. Does this give you a bit of confidence uh, that the Jacks are willing to invest in you long-term as a player? Yep. Yeah, it does. Um, that was one of the things I wanted going forther, forward was I like to plant my roots and grow with a team and a club. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So you have trained and toured with Canada twice. What was that experience like for you? Uh, it's very competitive. Uh, all the guys there are very switched on and uh, everyone's working really hard to get better. Mm -hmm. um, just trying to soak in all the information I can from the high level coaches and the high level players. Very cool. I'm going to let Dave take over from here and then I'll be back with you um, after he's done. Yeah. Awesome. How you doing, Foster? Dave, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, my first question is just, have you traveled to the U.S. very much before now? I know you said you live about three hours outside of uh, Vancouver. Um, have you had a chance to spend much time in the U.S.? And if so, what did you think? 
Yeah, I've been down to the States a few times, but mostly just the West Coast, like down to Washington State, uh, into Oregon, and down uh, California to San Diego and L.A. Uh, yeah, I love it down there. It's a great, great place. I've never, oh, cut out. From the top to the uh, bottom, it sounds like, of the West Coast, from <laughs> yeah, Seattle yeah, all the way to San Diego. Had a few trips, um, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, That's great. great. Um, you said that Josh Larson um, vouched for you, so to speak, you know, with the Free Jacks organization. Um, what... Uh, what was your impression of him prior to that? Did you guys have very much of a relationship from the Canada camps? Um, and did that uh, play a factor in you coming to New England in terms of learning about the Free Jacks from him? Yeah, I, I didn't know Josh too well before I before the July tour. Um, but I just talked to him about the Free Jacks. And yeah, like I said, he filled me in on how of a well-organized organization it is. And uh, I understand that Josh is a great leader. Like again, from practice, practicing with him, I got that. So I, I said, I, I trust his word and I just got behind him on that. And yeah. That's great. Um, you play hooker and loose head prop. Have you always played in the front row, the best row? Um, row or did you problem. work your way? <laughs> did you work your way up to the top? Yeah, that's that's how it happened. I worked my way up. I when I first started playing, I played number eight mostly. Um, but yeah, I played a lot of posi all positions in the four pack. That's that's great. Uh, it's a good way good way to do it. And it's what you really want out of your front rowers is the ability to play with that kind of athleticism. Um, so I think that's a really natural progression, and it's uh, it's good to hear. Um, you said it's been a tough t tough season out in BC and uh, certainly rugby players, especially forwards take a bruising over the course of a season. Um, do you have any like recovery tips or rituals that you do? Like what's your day after a match look like when you're, you know, feeling it? Uh, day after a match for me is a round of Frisbee golf. You know what that is? Oh yeah, absolutely. My brothers actually are both huge, huge disc golf guys. Um, won the U.S. Amateur Doubles Championship a few years back, so that's oh, uh, that's okay. awesome. They'll they'll love to hear that. Yeah, we uh, mean a few friends. We always get into a round and just you know, nice cruise around, have a walk, get the legs moving, hang out, get outside a bit. Yeah, that's usually the the best thing to do for me, anyways. Yeah, that's good. Active recovery is always the best. Uh, very good. That's it for me. I know Phil has some uh, follow-up questions for you, but appreciate it being here. Cheers. All right. I did want to take a second to mention that the merch store is live, guys. So go to jacksrangers.com, click on shop, and you'll see all the stuff that we've got available. This hat and the logo is a bit bigger that I've, I've been able to tweak is on there. This is a trucker hat. And also we have a huzzah shirt as well, and among other things that are really awesome. So check that out. Uh, before we get you out of here, we're going to release this prior to Halloween. So what has been your best and worst Halloween costume when you were a kid? Can you, can you tell us what that is, Foster? Ooh, best Halloween costume. I had a pretty killer Indiana Jones costume one year. Nice, nice. And the worst one? My worst one. Oh, I went as a classic white sheet ghost with two <laughs> eyes cut out. Last minute call. Nice. <laughs> Old reliable. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's always an easy one. Um, favorite Halloween candy and worst Halloween candy in your opinion? Oh, I love an arrow bar. Arrow bar? Do we have that? 
No, we don't. We don't. Oh, you can get them in like the imported candy section of like a grocery store, but they're not oh, okay. on like the main shelves. What's the worst Halloween candy in your opinion? I wouldn't say it's a candy, but there's always someone who gives you toothpaste. Yeah, that person <laughs> is the worst. Ugh. Absolutely. Ugh. People just asking to have their houses egged, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, favorite scary movie of all time. What you got? Ooh. I like The Ring. Okay. Yep. That's a classic. Yeah. It's a good one. It is a good one. Um, so we've had a lot of international flavor on the show the past couple weeks. We've asked everybody this. What give us your best Boston or just American accent? You got one for us? Oh, I don't want to offend anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was gonna say that. I knew that he was gonna say that. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, Bostonians have famously thick skin. Never get for never sure. get upset. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> uh let me think about it. Oh, can you pass me my khakis over there? That's pretty that? good. You got the there. Yeah. There. Not bad. Not, Not bad. bad. You throw in a ked and you're you're good to go. <laughs> Give me my khakis, ked. Khakis, ked. Yep. Um, so final thing here before we get you out. Uh, one word association. So I'm gonna say one or two words here, maybe three. First thing that pops in your mind, one word. Let me know what it is, okay? Yep. United States of America. Eagle. Very good. Uh, Canada. Maple syrup. <laughs> All right. MLR. Rugby. Boston. Celtics. Okay. Very nice. That's the first time we've heard that one here. Um, this is kind of East Coast Canada, but poutine, excuse me. Oh, gravy. <laughs> All right. Final thing here is all dressed chips. Meh. Man, yeah. okay, yeah. okay. Right. We have them up here in New England because we've got so many uh, French Canadians uh, that live here or have that heritage, and uh, they're really good. I like them a lot. A big salt and vinegar, yeah. Okay, very nice, very nice. It's a solid choice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Foster, this has been awesome, man. Thank you for coming on here. We appreciate you very much. To get you out of here, we're going to say one word. It's on my shirt this week. Three, two, one. Huzzah! Huzzah! Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. We're doing something very special. It just dawned on me that we have never had Dave as an interviewee, I guess, right? So Dave McVeigh is here with us. He is the co-host of the Jacks Rangers show. He is the main outrider along with myself here. Dave, how the hell are you? I'm doing well. Uh, great to be here as a uh, guest. No pressure at all. No prep. It's wonderful. How are you doing, Phil? Not too bad, man. Uh, so this is the Halloween edition. We're calling this one Silloween. Um, so we're going to have some Halloween questions in here thrown in. But let's Excellent. start from the very beginning. Where are you from? Uh, kind of all over. Uh, I was born in Tennessee, uh, moved around, to, to lived in Texas briefly, barely remember it. Uh, but I spent most of my childhood in Kansas, Manhattan, Kansas, where Kansas State is. Mm -hmm. um, my father was a veterinary professor there at the vet school. Wow. Um, so we uh, went to a lot of K-State games, not a lot else to do in uh, Manhattan, Kansas. So um, grew up a Wildcats fan, uh, played a lot of baseball. Baseball is big out there. So that was right. definitely my, my main sport as a kid. Played football and uh, soccer, too. Um, and then moved to Georgia for a couple years around like middle school and high school. And then I moved to New England in high school, first Connecticut. 
um, and then eventually Boston. I've been here, you know, for most of my life at this point. I've lived in New England longer than anywhere else and okay. for my entire adult life. Did you have a Southern accent or like a Midwest accent moving? To uh, I have kind of a mutt accent. Um, usually I'm pretty like Midwest neutral, not too, not too bad, but I say y'all and um, I don't, I say like a pen that you write with and a pen that you stick in your hat the same way. That's okay. just one vowel for me. <laughs> so there's a few little things. I don't say all though for oil or any of My mom does. My mom's a big all kind of girl from Tennessee. Very nice. So. Yeah, we definitely say all and uh, y'all all the time where I'm from. I, in fact, the first episode, if people go back and listen to this, the first thing out of my mouth on the first episode is, hey, y'all. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> So I haven't said that since. Um, so what is your origin story with rugby? Uh, when I lived in Connecticut, I had just graduated high school. I was going to uh, UConn, but one of the smaller branch campuses in Avery Point in Groton, Connecticut. And uh, I saw a flyer in a coffee shop that I was in doing homework. And it was for New London County Rugby Football Club. And they were just forming up. They were looking for players. Um, and I called the guy and he said, yeah, come on out to this middle school gym on Tuesday night, you know. Wow. So I went. I had at that point, I hadn't really played sports for several years. I didn't play um, sports through high school, really. Baseball through like my sophomore year. Um, but that was that was about it. I got into the arts. I was a big theater and, and uh, a singer, um, all sorts of all sorts of stuff like that. Performing arts guy. Uh, and did actually competed at that when it was in like Connecticut all state choirs stuff like that. Um, wow, it was a lot of fun. Got to perform in Carnegie Hall uh, in New York City. So shifted my competitive uh, focus to the arts for a while. Interesting. Um, and so I kind of saw that, and I was like, you know, that, that seems like fun. I haven't I haven't done you know the sports thing in a while. I wasn't doing uh, arts in in college. Um, it's a you know just giant time sink. And uh, I showed up. And I always always like to joke that like my first practice, a guy who was even fatter than I am told me that I was going to have to, you know, catch the ball, run the ball, uh, catch kicks, pass the ball, tackle, get tackled. And then I would also need to learn some special things I did based on what position I played. And that I mean, that sounded amazing. Um, I stopped playing football because I'm, you know, I'm a prop. I was a lineman. I played for years and literally never even got to touch a football in practice. And it just, you know, got to the point where I uh, lost patience with it probably more than anything else. And so that was exactly what I was looking to hear. Um, and I never looked back. I only played one year with uh, New London County. It was their first year. I'm actually a founding member of the club. I have this shirt in my basement. doesn't fit anymore to prove it. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, I had a great time, um, got married in 2005 and moved to Boston. And a couple of years after that, didn't know too many people in town, was looking for something to do. And I thought, you know, I had a lot of fun that year I played rugby down at New London County. And so I looked up all the different Boston teams. I emailed a few of them. Uh, Matt Evans, who was then the recruiter at Charles River, was the first guy who replied to my email. Okay. Um, told me when their practices were. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to Charles Rivers practice. And uh, I famously sipped before I even showed up at practice because I remembered that that was a big deal my year that I'd played. I remembered how much they had to get on guys to do it. Right. And I thought, oh, it'll look good to have it already done. 
So I showed up to practice and I told, I, I told everybody, Oh, and you know, and don't worry, I already sipped. And then, oh, you know, whole team starts laughing. Who's that responsible in rugby? Nobody. <laughs> um, so it was, uh, it was a big joke. So, but it was a good introduction for a rookie that kind of became my reputation immediately huh. as the guy who sipped before he even showed up to practice. Interesting. Um, wow. Yeah. So I played, I played there ever since basically. Uh, and that was around 2006, uh, 2007. Man. That's... And uh, I played for Charles River for the rest of my playing career. Still play old boys matches with them. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's been a it's been a wild ride. Incredible. Um, so let's talk about let's shift gears here a little bit for a second here. What have you been up to uh, in the silly season? So the off season. Oh, playing a lot of video games, getting warmed up for uh, extra life coming up in a couple weeks, raising yep. money for Children's Miracle Network hospitals. Yep. Um, Spending a lot of time with my family. Um, not too much. I'm in. I'm in college again, actually. So doing a lot of nice. doing a lot of homework, writing essays about, you know, world mythology and American history and all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah, good for you, man. That's awesome that you're getting back out there doing that sort of stuff. Um, you were also involved in some rugby games recently with another um, guest outriders team. You want to talk about that for a second? Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I've been uh, you can't keep me off the pitch, uh, I guess, um, unless you break my arm, which, you know, hopefully isn't going to happen. I, uh, I've been playing for Cape Cod Rugby Football Club for Ted Black, who coaches down there, one of our outriders. Yep. Um, and uh, I, I stepped away. I coached Charles River for a few years um, at the end of my time with them for three seasons, um, 2017, 18, and 19. And uh, when I stepped away, they have a new coach, uh, Tara Roberts, who's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made you know a kind of a deliberate choice to step away and not practice with the team or anything, um, mostly for, for my sake to to make it a little bit uh, easier transition yeah uh but i also been dying to play rugby <laughs> you know it's like the first rugby season that i haven't been actively going to practices and all that um so i messaged ted and said you know hey you looking you need any any props i'm i'm not exactly an athletic specimen anymore but i can play <laughs> you know i can i can get out there and and you know i'm not going to fold and uh yeah i got a chance to go down to mashpee and play for them um played uh, against freedom one of the clubs in new hampshire and then uh played against i played about 20 minutes in that match and then i actually played 80 minutes at tight head against uh, uh upper valley mountain men oh wow um, okay yeah so that was that was quite a match we um both teams started with 14 guys and uh, had no bench, and it was wow. definitely a uh, slugfest. You know, just those matches are always just all you can do is grind it out. You know, there's nobody coming on if you get hurt, so you're gonna stay out there as oh, long yeah. as you can. It was a lot of fun. You know, I was pretty, I was pretty beat up. It's the most rugby I've played, you know, at at a competitive level in in a long time. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it was a it was a trial by fire, but I've really enjoyed it. Hoping to maybe get out for one more match for them this fall. We'll see how it goes. Very cool. When you say that you started both started with fourteen or uh, reminds me of my years 
um, playing collegiate rugby before Carolina, I played at a very small cool, a school called um, Catawba College in North Carolina. So we always had like 12 guys that we would show up with to play our opponents. And, you know, some of these teams actually did have subs. So we actually had to use their subs on our team. And of course, they gave us the worst possible players. It was right. one kid that we got um, who we thought were always, this guy's a ringer. He's going to be awesome for us. He was from Argentina. That's why we assumed that. But he was, he was not very good. <laughs> so they always, you know, they always gave us the worst players. But it's, you know, this it reminded me of that. It was, you know, showing up with the uh, less men that you need to actually play the game. So, yeah, very cool. Yeah, we've all been there. I remember. Um, when I stopped playing for Charles River, actively kind of shifted to old boys and said, oh, I'll be around some, you know, but I'm not going to be there every week anymore. I remember walking up to a uh, match against MIT and I very deliberately didn't get there early. You know, it was one of those first matches where I was like, oh, I'm not going to be there an hour before kickoff. I'm going to show up right at kickoff. I'm just there to watch. Of course, I had my bag in the in the car and I'm walking up counting players who are warming up, you know, five minutes before kickoff. I'm counting guys in green jerseys and it's 13, 14, 15. Okay. I think I'm the backup one through eight. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's always, uh, always fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell us about what do you feel like is your greatest accomplishment as a player and then as a coach? Greatest accomplishment as a player. That's a good question. Um, Honestly, the, the time I, I played with Charles River, uh, there was a lot of restructuring in Nerfu. Um, there were some really strong clubs that we played against, and there were some really tough seasons. And when I think back of, uh, about my time, um, you know, there weren't there weren't any years where we won at all or anything like that. And and really, the most memorable seasons are the seasons where we struggled the most because I think it really pulled uh, players together to go through that. Um, I formed, you know, friendships with guys like, uh, you know, Jerry Keneally and Corey Lang, guys I played with, you know, day in and day out. And we went we went through that together um, and probably there, there was about a, a, a we definitely went a full fall season without a win one season. And then I remember we were playing the Boston Irish Wolfhounds Seaside. Um, They're kind of old boys and, and second side team uh, in Canton and uh we won it was our first win in in quite a while and uh just that feeling of having stuck through the difficult times you know and just had had faith that we were doing it right Mm -hmm. that things were going to improve you know all sorts of challenges in club rugby listeners will be familiar with but you know guys have lives people come and go you don't have a lot of control over a lot of the factors and all you can do is show up and uh, hope that people are gonna, you know, abide by their commitments and be there. And eventually, you know, it worked out. And then the the trajectory righted itself. Um, and we, you know, went on a streak. Got got some new coaching in guys like uh, John Faraday, who we we call Skell. He's a big sevens coach, actually, that we pulled in to be our fifteens coach. Um, really livened up the attack. Uh, really good micro skills coach. Um, and so that moment beating uh beating the hounds in canton definitely probably a highlight of my uh playing career um just as a as a turnaround moment where things really shifted for the club um for coaching uh definitely my my first season um i became a coach with very little preparation i had taken the coaching certification class because um i was 
just interested in it. There was one in Boston and they don't happen too often. Um, and they don't happen in the city where you live in very often at all. It's the only time I've ever seen a coaching, you know, a level 200 coaching class in Boston. Um, so I jumped on the opportunity and said, I might as well go. It's a good way to spend a Saturday. Um, and, uh, I got my coaching certification and then I went to the national development summit that same year down in Baltimore in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in the spring, um, met a lot of cool people, uh, there really got kind of interested in like the higher level coach development stuff that was going on. I'm just a huge nerd. So like <laughs> the chance to sit and just listen to, you know, like Kevin battle, who I think now is the director of um, kind of day-to-day ops for LA um, does uh, a whole bunch of stuff, but basically, you know, travel manager, equipment manager, right. all the, where's all those hats, you know, how MLR is people do a lot of different jobs. Um, yes. You know, he was there given a class on, like the rush defense and, you know, different kinds of defensive play calling stuff that I hadn't really been exposed to before. Uh, Defensive play calling. That sounds cool. You know, Uh, really got into it. And then our coach had uh, just a family situation and had to leave a couple weeks before the season started. And I was on the board for Charles river at that point. And, um, I, uh, wrote a like a letter of interest in being in we you know what i called an interim coach because clubs in usa rugby must have a level 200 coach to operate or, or you are going to forfeit your games yes. um you have to have a coach to practice and play yes so i said well we need one and you know i i can identify a, a handful of areas that i think we could improve on just base really basic stuff you know ruck arrivals and things like that that we were losing balls and could plug some gaps and uh, the club went ahead and, and moved forward with that. Um, and so I coached that fall of 2017. And, you know, we had some wins and some losses. It was a uh, it was a challenging season. It was a big learning process for me. It's very humbling. And I tried to approach it from a very humble place and just be open about, you know, I'm here to learn just like you guys are. Um, and that season, uh, everything came down to the final match against our, our rivals, Old Gold, who are one of the other clubs here in Boston. Um, started up around the same time. They have big ties to BC. And um, we played Old Gold in that final match, and the winning team was going to make the playoffs. And we were able to just play a really good uh, game of rugby. We managed it. And um, it was very close. And then we pulled ahead, you know, in the last 20 minutes and, and won pretty, pretty convincingly. Um, and it was just like it was a huge moment. It was very validating. It, it, it you know, uh, felt to me like a reassurance that we've been doing things right. And what we've been doing in practice, you know, had paid off. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big structure guy. I hadn't I didn't have a background in, in, in you know, complicated structure on attack and defense. So I really focused on simple things and chaos and said, you know, and there's especially at our level, you know, D3 competitive level, there's so much chaos in any given rugby game that if we get good at exploiting that, we'll be good. You know, if we can counterattack and use chaos to our advantage and if we can get go from chaos to structure on defense really efficiently. Um, So we focused on that. And that's the stuff that that's the stuff that paid off, you know, those weird ball on the ground, you know, breakaway run moments where you get to attack attacking a broken defense, as I called it, you know, just being good at finding lines and running them and working in support. Um, So, yeah, that that winning is old gold. Definitely. 
that 2017 season right at the end to to make the playoffs. So we made the playoffs all three years that I coached. Um, nice. We're never able to win uh, our our division in Nerfu, but um, we'll see. I think that's hopefully that's that's changing now. Charles River's on top of the table now in this uh, 2021 season, so things are looking good. Yeah, up the river, right? <laughs> yeah, up um, the river, so, absolutely. Yeah, we appreciate you sharing those uh, personal stories with us. Let's talk about you know last year when we, when we got this started around the DC game last year away. Um, so what made you decide to do those early Yeti Poet rugby videos and then join up with the Jacks Ranger show? What was what was your motivation? Yeah, um, a big part of the videos was just learning, wanting to learn a new skill, uh, video editing. I hadn't done a lot in the past. Um, and I also had a lot of, you know, what I kind of jokingly call rugby energy. I'd been I'd been doing rugby, you know, with a, a significant amount of my time as a player or a coach for, you know, pushing 15 years at that point. And um, I was just so used to spending so much of my time thinking about rugby and prepping for matches and prepping for practice and running practices um, that when the season started, I had you know, a, a burning desire to talk about rugby, basically, and the videos making videos seemed like a good way to do it. Yes. Um, that my goal in the videos was also just to, again, kind of like coaching, keep things simple, um, not trying to, you know, win any MacArthur Genius grants, just, <laughs> just, you know, what what's going on? What, what are we looking at? Why does it work? Why does it not work? Okay. Um, and just kind of explainer videos for new fans. I know MLR has got a lot of people who are you know boston fans right there are people who go yeah i follow every boston sports team and the free jacks are one of them so i'm on board now Um, and that really is kind of the audience i was targeting um, people who are trying to figure out what is going on because there's a lot of weird stuff in rugby people play for you know two three years and then get in some weird you know uncontested mall situation and they're just standing around going what the hell was that i don't even know what just happened yeah so trying to clarify that um and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It, it ended up being a good place to to put that energy. Um, and then you reached out about the about the show, and uh, I uh, I jumped on board as soon as you said you'd do all the work, and all I had to do was talk. Man, yes. that was sold. I was in. So I th- I want to say that I saw maybe your one of your videos on. It might have been the Facebook supporters group, or maybe even Reddit. And I was yeah. like, I was watching it. And I was like, this guy knows his stuff, like from a coaching kind of perspective. And I was like, I, this is something that, you know, I myself, I have my coaching certificate level 200. I got it in 2016 in um, New Haven, Connecticut, but I've never coached a second in my life in rugby. So I wanted that perspective on the show. And I knew that I didn't have it at all. So I wanted to bring somebody in that had that knowledge um, from a coach's perspective. And, you know, I found that video. I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. So I need to reach out. And you would also have been the guy that um, did the, uh, the free Jacks ho video. So That's I- right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I talked about a little earlier, I ha- have a little bit of a performing arts background, nothing, right. you know, nothing crazy, but you know, I'm comfortable being noisy in front of others basically is what that means. So anybody who's been to the free Jacks game and see me running around with the huzzah sign is, yes. you know, knows that firsthand. Um, so yeah, uh, the free Jacks ho is a lot of fun. I'm actually, I told Ollie, I was going to record a new version of it. One that's not shot in my van on my cell phone, you know, <laughs> um i got a uh, got a decent mic now uh so we'll see hoping to get a, hoping to get a good clean 
uh, recording they can use at uh, games this coming oh, season if they'd like. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the Jumbotron, Jumbotron is a game changer for sure. So hopefully they can use some videos and stuff like that and put it up there and get people interactive that way too. Instead, instead of you just running up and down the aisles with the hosas. <laughs> yeah. As much as I love running up and down the aisles, the, the joke at the Atlanta game was, was uh, every time I sat down, I had to get back up and go run the sign again. Cause we'd scored another try, which is yeah. a good problem to have. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, you paid your ticket. So you should be able to watch the game too, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. Um, so yeah, we, we've interacted in person a little bit. Um, you know, we've been, we've seen each other at games. We even went to the forge, which is the previous headquarters there for the free Jacks. Um, so, you know, you're a fan, you're a guy that's been in the stands all season long last year. What was your favorite moment from last season for the free Jacks and tell us your overall impression of the first season, the first full season. Oh yeah. Favorite moment. Um, there's a lot uh, that really stand out. The New York game that a lot of people have talked about, that monsoon game, um, was definitely really special. Um, it was it was really cool to to feel that um, with the team, uh, just that energy that the crowd had and feeling the team feed off of it. And Ryan Martin, you know, has talked about it on our show, just about they could they could tell that that that, that match was theirs when they when they got when they and the crowd had the same energy and New York just had none, you know, that, that it was in the bag. Um, that that was definitely a high moment. Um, another huge, awesome moment was um, the touch sevens. Uh, tournament before the DC game at yeah. Union Point, where uh, I've, I've told the story before. I will tell the whole story, but uh, you know, we Charles River old boys, not the active guys, but I got some of the old boys to sign up for a touch sevens tournament. Seems like fun, and then we ended up having you know five guys, and it was a hundred degrees, and uh, uh, Ollie hooked us up with Threat and Palamo and. Um, Owen Chi and Mungo Mason, three guys who were on the injured but healthy list for uh, DC. And I got to spend an hour just playing touch rugby with those guys. And they were crazy humble. They were friendly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they literally hung out with us. They didn't just play with us in between matches. We're all standing around chatting just and then it was just like it was honestly like three cool guys had joined our rugby club. I mean, they were just they were just so down to earth. Um, And that was really, really a great moment. that day mags was there playing in in his his cost in costume in 100 degrees playing the whole time that's when you remember like oh yeah he was captain of the u.s eagles this guy is not messing around he's got his bona fides as they say yeah for sure and just you know him being there in the uh the, the suit playing rugby um in the uh, i think he was wearing that horse suit right yeah yeah in a horse suit like with uh, the head for yes significant um, just the, the legend continues for him you know we, we've talked about him countless times so we'll move on from that but that's so awesome <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and o- overall impressions of the team like last season yeah. um it honestly just gets better and better i was excited from the beginning and um i think that we have seen the performance on the field um you know, when you look at it as a trend, it has they have just gotten better, you know, in that one full season. If you look at the Free Jacks at the start of the season and the Free Jacks at the start at the end of the season, um, 
the improvement is just is just unreal. Uh, both it, when you look at individual players, especially some of the development players. We talked about Quentin Newcomer a lot recently on the show. Justin Johnson, um, you know, those guys are uh, Jackson Thevis, right? Like those, those the American guys who are coming along so fast under these uh, expert coaches and experienced players. Um, yeah. So overall, overall thoughts: we we just keep getting better, which is awesome um and just really exciting rugby uh the free jacks did not play a match especially at home that was not just an absolute thrill to watch yeah so really exciting season season full of improvement um stoked about all the returning players really keeping a solid core of guys which i think is good because they performed really well um and yeah just just positive positive vibes from last season I agree a thousand percent. I mean, they've got to find ways. I've talked about this to win those away games. And if we do that and, and remain a fortress at home, as we have been, I think there's, I think we're going to punch our ticket to the playoffs this year. Um, I do want to continue to see exciting um, attacking rugby and hopefully that will come to fruition with the new coaching staff. But yeah, I'm I'm extremely excited as well. Uh, Who's your favorite player? Favorite player. Um, Man, that's tough. I uh, I'm a fan of a lot of the guys. I kind of joke uh, uh, often that you know I only see positives. It's one of my one of my big uh, failings. Um, and I could I could go through the whole roster probably and talk about what I love about everybody. Um, in terms of maybe player who like made the biggest impression on me last year, um, somebody who is not a prop because we know I'm biased towards props. I almost just said Eric DeYager immediately. Um, <laughs> definitely one of my favorite players uh, and really just an absolute workhorse for the team this year. Um, but it's so all cheat. I'll pick, I'll pick a forward and, and Eric DeYager for sure. Um, he just absolutely crushes it at tight head. He is, he delivers the goods in the set piece. Um, he does everything he's supposed to do. Um, really a joy to watch him play mechanically. Um, but I'm going to have to go overall with Puasa Wakanabao. I really, really enjoyed his play this last season. Um, I became a fan um, after just watching him fire up and shut down that outside ball over and over and over. He was a really important part of the Free Jacks defense um, and was uh, a guy who put it all on the field um, he always worked worked hard. He hit like a truck. You could just tell. I mean, the guy never makes a tackle. He doesn't punish somebody for having the audacity to <laughs> run the ball near him. Yeah. Um, so probably Pawasa. I, I really, really became a Pawasa fan. I've got my fingers crossed. I'm waiting with bated breath, hoping they announce him for next season. Yeah, I'm looking out for that as well. Hopefully he will be retained. Let's talk about the players that have been announced uh, so far. Who are you most excited about from that list? Um, hmm. Most excited about from the announced players list. Um, from players who are returning players or newly signed players or both. Um, from both. So the guys that we know that have been retained officially announced, and also the new signings. Who are you most excited about? Um, I think that probably maybe Harry Barlow. Um, I think he, we saw some really, really 
really incredible finishing ability out of him last season. Um, he has so much acceleration, so much, so much pace. Um, he is somebody who's on the short list for, you know, us Eagles caps. He's, he's in that APC, um, squad, which is essentially a development team for the Eagles. Um, and I think that he is probably my gut is that he is really on a, on a, a, a sharp trajectory in his rugby career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we could see him really take off this coming season. I think it's a, I think it's a good, a really good get to get him back. And um, I, yeah, I, I guess I'd say Harry Barlow. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to disagree with that because, you know, he's just got so much talent. I, we, we haven't seen the best of Harry Barlow by any stretch of the imagination. He's only going to get better. Um, we interviewed him in this episode, of course, or, or I did specifically, he's down in Uruguay right now training with the USA rugby selects is what they call them. The development side, as, as you were saying. And uh, yeah, he's also, by the way, a lot of people may not know this, but like he interacts with us most on social media as a player and has done that since the very beginning of this show. Anytime we mention, you know, the free jacks or anything in our Instagram stories, he's always in there, you know, saying great job, guys, or whatever we're doing. So uh, we really, really like him on the show for sure. Let's switch gears here and talk about Halloween. Uh, my, My favorite holiday. Um, a lot of people do not know this, but uh, my family actually owns a funeral home in oh, North Carolina. Yes, that is cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously Halloween has to be the, the favorite holiday uh, for morticians. Right. Um, so let's talk about what is your best and worst Halloween costume back in the day? Oh, best, best Halloween costume at the at the peak of the office popularity when it was still still being broadcast and all there's a halloween episode where dwight Schrute is like a sith lord yes and i went like that year or near that as dwight Schrute as a sith lord and man that was a popular costume <laughs> that was a that was probably probably my best costume concept and execution nice. managed to just find you know a brown robe and you know playing it's it's like when you're acting and you got to do a show within a show you know it's going to be fun like don't worry the play has a play in it right. it's going to get really confusing so it was really that was really fun being a character in a costume um worst halloween costume I don't know. I'm sure there was some some year where I was like in, you know, eighth or ninth grade and felt too cool for Halloween, but still oh. wanted four pillowcases full of candy. Yes. And, you know, put on some, you know, Generic Jason mask and yeah. made put in put in zero effort. Right. And just did right. the teenage thing where I walk around and you're like, well, I'm in a mask. You got to give me candy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Uh, the Office is one of my favorite shows. My girlfriend, it is her favorite show. She's probably seen it. I don't know. Uh, all the way through like six or seven times it's insane (laughs) it's great yeah yeah um let's see here so next thing here we got best and worst halloween candy in your estimation what you got um best and worst halloween can halloween candy best is probably uh i'm gonna go with milky way probably milky way is just a rock solid chocolate bar um worst anything with coconut in it i'm not a toasted coconut fan i don't like the texture i I don't mind the taste of coconut you know coconut flavored stuff is okay but like 
you know, I see a, I see like a mounds bar or something and I'm just, my heart sinks because it's <laughs> chocolate. I'm not going to get to enjoy. Gotcha. People talk about circus peanuts being worse than the uh, candy corn, but who uh, has ever gotten circus peanuts as a Halloween candy? Yeah. You know it's I'm just saying? like a, a thing you suggest to people who aren't from the U S when you're feeling mean, if you're like, yeah, well, why don't you, you could get those circus peanuts. They're weird marshmallows. Yes. they'll make your teeth hurt <laughs> um yeah i like candy corn though i gotta i'll go on too. the record as a fan of candy corn it's Dude. honey flavored candy it's not that weird right um there's a limit you know you can only eat so much but i mean i'm good for a bag or two every fall for sure people talk about it like it's like trash but it's really not that bad is it the best of course not of course not but it is pretty good yeah. um let's see here what else we got favorite scary movie favorite scary movie um i would probably have to say uh it only it's it's kind of a cheat but army of darkness okay um you know funny scary movie uh i i still quote it probably two or three times a week you know it's a trick get an axe (laughs) it's there's just so many great lines bruce campbell's amazing yes um so yeah probably probably army of darkness or if it's got to be a little more you know more spooky less funny you know you can go evil dead or evil dead 2 yes um but yeah definitely definitely one of those i'm a huge hp lovecraft nerd as well so the you know all the lovecrafty little little bits and pieces in there uh do it for me too I think it's hard to look away from the original slasher film. Halloween is my favorite. I always win as Michael Myers. Like people in my subdivision in North Carolina have it seared into their mind of me playing Michael Myers every single year. So I would walk up and down the cul-de-sacs, you know, and just scare the living daylights out of people. So yeah, that's for me. I've been getting, I've been getting more into like the, uh, the, the, theory behind halloween movies recently some of the podcasts i listen to uh sarah marshall has a bunch of good podcasts and one of them is um uh used to be called why our dads but now it's you are good but she's a big true crime and horror fan she like saw is her favorite movie franchise ever mm-hmm. and uh, she's a writer um really really great writer does a lot of, you can you know if you google sarah marshall you'll pull up a bunch of articles she's written um but they recently talked about texas chainsaw massacre on her uh her podcast um and it was just such a really really good treatment of the movie i probably haven't seen it in 20 years at least you know it's one of those that you don't you don't feel like you need to rewatch a lot um but i was like oh i think i gotta bust out texas chainsaw massacre again take a look at that you know through a uh, class struggle lens as they were talking about on the uh, show you know these guys used to work in slaughterhouses and machines took their jobs what are they supposed to do you know if you've been out in the midwest and you've seen how really remote places can get you know you start to you start to understand how a family of hard-working texans might turn to long pork barbecue to make things you know make ends meet <laughs> that is twisted <laughs> yeah uh speaking of writers favorite horror book how do yours Ooh, do you got? um favorite horror book probably salem's lot it's, it's good so one. good oh, really? um it's so like plausible and fun yeah. it, you really get the 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 feeling right there along with the characters as you realize how far things are have gone in the town you know and you're like oh it's not 
it's not a vampire you know at this point we're outnumbered yeah, it's the like, entire it's, town practically yeah like yeah. it's everybody um so yeah salem's lot uh absolute classic mm-hmm. um bram stoker's dracula is also yes. really good actually yeah. um it it's a it's a really good read if people haven't read it i would really really suggest it format's a little different because it's you know it's an epistolary novel so it's told in the form of letters written yes you know between characters um but it, it is cool and, and, you know, important with the capital I in the, uh, you know, English major sense where it really did a lot to, you know, create create the genre. There would be no Salem's Lot without Bram Stoker's Dracula, I, I think yep. it's fair to say. Um, they are actually making a new adaptation, a uh, film adaptation of Salem's Lot as we speak right now. So I'm excited Ooh. about that. Yeah, should be good. All right. Uh, Final thing before we get to the famous one word association, uh, <laughs> personal experiences with the paranormal. Personal experiences with the paranormal. Okay. I am pretty rational. Um, yeah. generally speaking, or try to be, um, not in the, like, I don't have emotion sense, but in the, you know, it takes a, it takes a significant amount of evidence for me to believe yeah. something that for which there is no rational explanation. But when I was a kid, I was staying over at a friend's house. Um, he lived in a uh, trailer park west of Manhattan um, in one of the one of the towns out near Fort Riley. Uh, his dad his dad was in the army there, and we were staying, uh, hanging out, reading. You know, it was in the fall. We we're reading ghost stories to each other and stuff, getting all spooky. And we had to go feed um, some pets for a friend of theirs. So he puts on his rollerblades because you know it's the nineties, and. Uh, uh, we walk, I walk over there. He rollerblades over. It's late. Um, not too late, you know, but, but it's dark, not too many people around. We go in, we, f- you know, we feed the cats. We're, we're getting water in their dish. And I asked him, you know, I actually have to use a bathroom. Where's, you know, is there a bathroom in here that I could, I could use? He points me, you know, just, just down the hall in the trailer. And I start walking back and we both kind of at the same time without saying anything realized that like there's a weird amount of light coming you know out the bathroom it's like a blue glow coming from the bathroom and it's uh there's no door it's just like a curtain that pulls mm-hmm. um so there's light kind of coming out around it and i kind of stop because that's a little weird and i look at him and then we hear i mean just clear as day we hear like this voice, like a sing song girl's voice, just sing like la 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 la. Oh my Super God. weird. Obviously, could have been somebody outside the trailer. Maybe there's a light that was shining. Th- you know, there's lots of explanations, but I can tell you that none of those explanations sprang readily to our minds. At we that moment, immediately left. I mean, we bolt without a word between us. We ran out of the trailer. Wow. Um, he had taken off his rollerblades because we're in, in the in the trailer. So we we get outside. We do not even stop for him to put his rollerblades on. He grabs them and we take off running between um the houses. Yeah. And uh his his parents had a laundromat and so it was close by. He's like leading the way. He's like right over here, right over here. So we're like running to where his parents' laundromat was well, closed, but it's you know like the landmark he knows where it is. Yeah. So we get there and we kind of stop where you know a couple hundred yards from the trailer that we've been in at this point. And he's like, all right, I got I got to stop. We sit down and we'd been running through like uh, briars, little thorns, and his feet were all cut up and bloody um, from from running, which I mentioned just because that's how scared we were. 
-hmm. in that moment. We were both absolutely terrified, terrified enough that he just ran through thorns and briars without shoes on to get away as fast as we could. So that's my that's my brush with the paranormal. It was definitely weird in the moment. It's fun to look back on now, you know, uh, many, many years later and just kind of think, you know, like what what the hell was actually going on? I don't know. But uh, yeah, we definitely in, in, in that moment, it was a ghost. Hundred percent. We were terrified. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that's a really good one. Um, I've got so you would think, with you know, growing up in a funeral home and being in that industry with my family and stuff like that, that I would have tons of ghost stories. I do have a really good paranormal story, but I'm going to save that until maybe next year for right. an episode. It is, it is a good one. I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to tease that for 12 months. It's excellent one, guys. All right. So we'll do one word association. And we'll get you out of here, Dave. All right. All right. You know how this works. Uh, New England. Cold. <laughs> Boston. Cold. All right. <laughs> but the people get it. Yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> MLR. Exciting. Tennessee Vols. Uh, Rocky Top. Yep. Charles River. Up River. All right. Uh, Free Jacks. Dynamic. I agree. This has been fantastic, Dave. Thank you for doing this. It's finally, we finally got an interview in with you. You've been on the show for what? Six months, eight months now at this point. So. Yeah, yeah. Now people know how long I really can talk if you let me go. <laughs> this is a long one, but it's good because we need a time to we put it in the episode here. So this is perfect. So I appreciate your time, my friend. And we'll do uh, the old huzzah here. One, two, three. Huzzah! Huzzah! Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. Dave is not with us. He says hello, but I did want to introduce you to one of our free Jacks that has just um, been retained by our team here, Harry the Wheelbarrow Barlow. How the hell are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm real good. I'm uh, chatting to you from uh, sunny Uruguay at the moment. Uh, in training, a bit in Miami and Glendale, and now we're finally uh, in Uruguay. So, uh, yeah, that's no, good to be here. What's the temperature like there right now? It's real nice, actually. It's just coming into their spring because uh, it's Southern Hemisphere. I didn't realize that, so it's actually that's a bit of a bonus. But yeah, just got to watch out for that sunburn. It's like 50 degrees here today, so um, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you're excited to get up here. Um, when are you expected to report to the Free Jacks preseason uh, pre training? Um, I think it's going to be around Christmas and the New Year. Okay. Um, just get some finalized dates, but to be honest, as soon as I can get over, that's the better because I'm just I'm keen to get back and uh, get work for next season. Absolutely. I did want to give you some praise. Since the very beginning of this uh, show's infancy you have always been very interactive with us on social media so we really appreciate that thank you very much no no that's so good i love you guys work so yeah i love keeping up with what you guys are doing thank you very much for that um tell us where you're from and what's your connection to the states so um born and raised in a in a town called guildford just outside london in the united kingdom and um my connection to the states is my dad was born in san francisco um, and that whole side of the family is up in Northern California, just outside Sacramento right now. So, uh, so yeah, I've always been really proud of my American roots and, um, yeah, just super, super happy to finally be in this league and, and reconnect with my American blood. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, what is your origin story with rugby and when did you know that you wanted to be a professional rugby player? My origin story. That's an interesting. So, uh, in the UK, you play rugby from a pretty young age, from about five, six years old. 
and actually started off kind of around 10, 11 as a second row, if you believe it or not. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I made the switch then and uh, I'm still currently in the forwards, thank God. And then um, professionally wise, I mean, um, it's kind of down to my school coach when I was about 16, 17, 18. Um, a guy called Andy Houston, he just really, really helped me out. He taught me what it means to, how to become professional, you know, what it takes to be professional, to become professional. And, and that's still learning off him now and still, still um, using those values. So from that age, I think, yeah, I could give this a shot. And um, I've been getting away with it ever since. So, yeah, fake it till you make it, I guess. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so we know that you're down in Uruguay right now at USA Rugby Selects. What else have you been up to yeah. in the offseason? Oh, we've been up to quite a lot, actually. I've been doing quite a lot of coaching, um, which has been really interesting back in the UK. I've been doing uh, my local club team, which I actually started with. So that's been really nice to reconnect with them. I've been doing my former, well, about to do a bit of um, with my former school. Um, and just helping uh, with random coaching uh, camps. So that's been really interesting. And then just being staying fit. Um, yeah, staying in shape. And yeah, just being counting down the days so I can get back to Boston, really. Very nice. Um, this is year two for you. You're on a two-year contract. This is year two with the Jacks. What excites What excites you about coming back to this team next season? For me, the moment I knew 100% I wanted to come back was that last game in Quincy um, at Veterans Memorial Stadium. I think that atmosphere, the stadium, the fans, everything was just perfect. In the warm-up, I looked around and said, yeah, this is this is where I want to be in the um, in the future. So that was the moment where it absolutely solidified for me. Um, but of course, I absolutely loved every second over the season and and going forward. I think that that move to Quincy is going to be amazing. Um, I think we're going to get more fans. Yeah, the fans have been great so far. So yeah, it's just going to keep getting better and better. Yeah, that that last game, it just seems like something was a bit different with the atmosphere. It was just, uh, you know, a little bit better than um, at Fort Union Point. Um, I think the Jumbotron has something to do with that, but it's also it's a real stadium. So I think people can get involved in the atmosphere and just really be a fan uh, more so than uh, at Fort uh, Union Point. Yeah, 100% with the dunk tanks as well. Yes. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. You happened to see all of us in our kilts, and as an Englishman, what did you think about that? Uh, well, at first sight, I thought, uh, pretty scary. Uh, <laughs> I thought I'm in the wrong place. But then uh, Dougie quickly, uh, quickly calmed me down, and yeah, it was good to see. Uh, I like those little costume ideas in the, in the crowd, so yeah, it's even, it's great. I have a feeling we're going to be doing that again next year at the last home game, so you'll see that again. Uh, yeah. Great idea. All right. Um, so what else we got here for you? What um, What is the impressions of MLR overseas in England? Do you have any like former teammates that you've spoken with about it? Uh, any just rugby fans that you know that have watched uh, the MLR? What is their impressions, I believe? It's um, it's actually, I think this year was massive for it. Um, I think it, it, it even during COVID and the pandemic, it, it grew so much. And, you know, the rugby network was great for that. And, and they all across that social media. The Free Jack social media was great, but uh, the thing that surprised me is the amount of messages I got over social media from former players I used to be with. Um, I won't name names, but you know they're asking, how, "How do you get into this league? You know, what's this league about?" And um, so yeah, a lot of former players I with are pretty interested in it, and it's, it seems like it's just going to keep on growing. And you know that's why I want to stick around because it's such a great league. It's fun, you know, the travel, the people you meet. It's great. So yeah, it's awesome. Very cool. I do want to take a moment to let everybody know 
that the merchandise is live now on jacksrangers.com uh, forward slash shop. So we've got this, this hat here, and also we've got a version of this shirt, Huzzah, on there, along with other things that you can purchase. So guys, check that out for us. We'd greatly appreciate it. Um, next thing I wanted to talk to you about, Harry, is that um, what is what was your favorite moment in a Jacks jersey last season? And in addition to that, what is your overall impressions of the first full season of uh, the Free Jacks? My favorite, well, first, I'll answer the first bit. Uh, the, the, my favorite moment was um, that game against Austin at home. Um, I was very lucky to be given the ball out wide and just finish off some of the hard work from the other guys. And um, it was just great. I think everything in that game, we just went, we just clicked. And that showed the true potential of, of what we could do um, early in the season. And I think we grew on that and we'll continue to grow on that. Right. So, yeah, that was just like the absolute pinnacle of what I've played in rugby so far in terms of the feeling. Um, and the second part, the Free Jacks, it's, it's, it's a club like no other, I think, I've been to because it's such a good community. Um, even with TK, um, our manager, even that, even that relationship with him and, and, and the staff and the coaches is, is, is a lot more personal than I've experienced in, in previous clubs. And I absolutely love that because... I think it makes you a better player um, and a better person. But then the community in terms of fans, I mean, Boston loves its sports and you can tell that by the Free Jacks fans, they, you know, they go crazy. No, look, they haven't got the most fans in the world in terms of club um, size, but they sure did make a lot of noise and that's what it's about. And they're pretty passionate. And, you know, I love clubs where people in the community are passionate about what they're doing. So, yeah, that's why, that's why Free Jacks is an awesome place to be. For sure. I've spoken to a lot of people and I asked them, what is one word that you can think of when you think of free jacks? And a lot of people, staff, players, fans, they say family. So I think there's something in that, you know, it's definitely a community that is being built up from the ground up. And it's just really impressive to see that, you know, a lot of people see it as a family. It's very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Um, what are your personal goals for the upcoming season? you have any in mind yet? Um, yeah, I've been thinking about it in terms of in, in terms of the club. Um, I really just want to continue my skill set. Um, I'm still young, so I've got a lot to learn. Um, we've got some great players coming back, like Dougie, but it's also some new players around the world. So just to learn off them and improve my game overall from them um, is always great. And in terms of away from the Free Jacks, um, I really want to chase down that that, that spot in the Eagles squad. Um, I'm just absolutely, yeah, I'm just going to keep my head down and work hard until until that day comes. And I don't know when that will come, but that's that's an ultimate goal for me. And that's something I really love to do. We're definitely pulling for you all the way to get your first USA uh, international test cap. That would be awesome. Uh, I think you're a great representative of the Free Jacks uh, and the young talent that's coming through. So can't wait for that moment for you. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks for the support. You're welcome. Um, so just to, got a couple more things. We'll get you out of here. This is kind of a curveball. So normally Dave would take over at some point and ask a couple questions. Dave's not with us this week. So it's all me, baby. Um, <laughs> so your last name is also a last name in Stephen King's as the head vampire in what's called Salem's Lot, which is a very good book and also became a couple movies that they've done. And they're doing actually a new one, a new movie of this uh, adaptation of Stephen King's novel. Uh, what is your favorite horror book or movie? So we're getting close to Halloween. I just wanted to throw this one in here. Yeah, well, it's, I guess it's a great question. It's spooky season, so um, yeah. it's, it's, it's a tough one. Um, 
I watched that with a couple of buddies the other day, a movie called Autopsy of Jane Doe, and he was just absolutely couldn't sleep the rest of the night. Um, but I think the Stephen King books, as a, as a kid growing up, I read some of them and that just horrified me. And, uh, you know, the It movies were pretty good, but you can't beat the books, in my opinion. Um, yes. So, yeah, it's got to be them, but I've definitely got to read some more around this, this time of the year to show, get in the mood for it. So I've read maybe like eight Stephen King books years ago, and then I went to actually up in, uh, to Maine on vacation, and I went to his hometown, and I took the Stephen King tour, and since then I've like read three more additional books that he's written, and it's just, they're so good, man. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's, a, perfect yeah, it's a perfect time yeah. to read those kind of books, because it's, it is spooky season, as you were saying, Halloween right around the corner here. Um, give us a Give us your best Boston or American accent. We've had a lot of uh, international flavor on the show the past couple of weeks. Can you uh, can you give us one? Um, I've been trying to perfect it, but it's just failed horribly. But it's, uh, it's kind of like Boston, get, get in the car, uh, <laughs> lobster, lobster. I was try, I'm trying, but it's never getting there. It's I think I need good. to. Uh, it's just getting there. That's a pretty intense one for... To be honest, I haven't actually heard that many strong accents, just a hint of Boston accent around. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, all of the accents are going away because people, you know, they move from place to place, and it's just becoming more of one just American accent, for sure. Like, I'm born in the South, but I don't think a lot of people – well, maybe some people can tell, but, like, mostly – I know that my accent was a lot stronger 11 years ago when I first moved up here, but now it's just, you know, it comes out every other word or something like that. So, yeah. I think Yeah, you've got a slight southern twang to your accent, but it's it's pretty – yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. Uh, okay. So final thing here, we'll get you out of here after this. It's one word association. So I'm going to say a word or a couple of words. And the first thing that pops in your mind, just give me one word back. Okay. Yep. Sounds good. United States of America. Blood. All right. England. Um, birth. All right. That's pretty good. Uh, MLR. Future. Boston. Home. Tea. Revolution. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mags. Uh, character. I agree with that a thousand percent. Harry, this has been awesome, man. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for interacting with us so much on social media. You're definitely one of our favorite players uh, because of that and just the effort that you you make on the pitch there. Um, we think we're going to see a lot more of you in the coming years, for sure. No, I appreciate it very much. And, yeah, appreciate you guys uh, having me on the show and looking forward to seeing uh, your content over the uh, couple of months. So we're going to say one word to get you out of here. It's on my shirt here that you guys can buy at the uh, Jack's Rangers merch shop online. Three, two, one. Huzzah! Huzzah! <laughs> All right, Rangers, tell us how we did by sending us an email at jacksrangershow at gmail.com. Interact with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of those fun places at Jacks Rangers. I wanted to let you know that I've been teasing merch for the past couple episodes. The merch store is finally live, guys. So what you want to do, check out the merch. Go to jacksrangers.com, typing it in as we speak here just to pull up the information. So the main page here, you're going to see at the top right-hand corner, before you get to all of the logos for our social media presence here, you will see our store. It's beside of Donate and the First Regiment. If you click on store, it will bring you to jacksrangers.com forward slash store. And on here, we've got 
a drawstring bag, a unisex tank top that has our logo on there and the secondary logo on the back. We have our flagship unisex t-shirt short sleeve that says musket size pants tent. If you guys uh, know about that from the Outriders segments, uh, that is only 20 bucks. Uh, that's the cheapest t-shirt that we have on, on sale. We've got a Jack's by 90 t-shirt, a Huzzah t-shirt. We've even got something for the youth there. It is a junior ranger t-shirt with the logo on there and even for the toddlers guys we've got a little ranger shirt which is uh hilarious um, and super cute we've even got a coffee mug for those coffee uh addicts out there that says jack's rangers with the logo on there we've got a red polo shirt as well we've got a jacket we've got a hoodie on there a unisex hoodie with the primary logo and the secondary logo a pom-pom beanie a regular cuffed beanie on there, a fitted, a flex fitted hat, as well as two colored trucker hats. And we've got a t-shirt that says media in quotations. I know uh, Dave McVeigh likes that one. And one that says insider in quotations. So just kind of, you know, tongue in cheek there with the insider and media in um, parentheses there. So yeah, uh, really happy with how the store looks. I know that my sister has purchased something. I've purchased some um, sample orders that will be sent out soon. So you guys, if you want to jump on there and purchase something, we would greatly appreciate it. All the proceeds, all the profits go to keeping this show afloat. Really appreciate if you would check it out and purchase some merch there. Also, I wanted to mention that today in American Revolutionary War history, in 1775, six British ships attacked Norfolk, Virginia. The attack was pushed back and the Americans captured two ships that ran aground in the retreat. And the Revolutionary War quote of the day here, our properties within our own territories should not be taxed or regulated by any power on earth but our own. That was Thomas Jefferson. Hope you guys enjoy your Halloween as much as I will be. I'll be down in Universal Studios Orlando. I'll be thinking about you guys up there in New England and spooky New England, having a good old time for Halloween. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll see you next time, whenever it happens to be for episode 21 here at the Jacks Rangers Show. Huzzah! Woo!